We're in Mark chapter 10 today. If you have your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 10. We started a few weeks ago uh, walking through different stories, meetings with the Master, and just the difference that Jesus Christ can make. And uh, this morning we're in Mark chapter number 10, verse number 17 and following. And uh, the sermon title today is A Tragic Meeting with the Master. A Tragic Meeting with the the master. Uh, I was thinking about this thought as I was reading this story today. It's the story of what we call the rich young ruler. And uh, I was thinking about this story and I thought about the church. I love the church. I love to gather together with brothers and sisters and, uh, and just gather for worship, encouragement, Lord, worship. I'm grateful for the church family. Uh, uh, and I'm grateful for the opportunities that we have to gather together. But I was thinking about this rich young ruler and the encounter that he had with Jesus Christ. And I believe that of all the stories that we have of the encounters with Jesus Christ, I believe this one plays itself out more than any other during church services. Uh, I, I believe that, that, that oftentimes what happens to us is this. People will come, and, uh, and, and I'm not just talking about at the point of salvation. I'm talking about people that are lost that will come, or people that are, 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 are children of God, children of the King that will gather together, and, 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 and those that are lost obviously are not a part of the family of God, uh, but many will come longing for something uh, and leave totally unchanged. And the same is true oftentimes with brothers and sisters. They come in oftentimes out of fellowship with the Father because of sin and the life and aware that there's something wrong. I, I, I'm not in fellowship properly and, uh, and, 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 and will leave unchanged. And my prayer this morning is that that wouldn't be the case, that we would rewrite the story, that as God would bless us with ears to hear and with eyes to see what he sees in me. And today, if there's a lost person, that today would be the day of salvation. And if it's a brother or sister in Christ that's out of fellowship, that there's repentance because the Bible says in Acts chapter number three uh, that, that, that whenever we repent, there's times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. A tragic meeting with the master. Uh, Mark chapter number 10, verse 17 and following. The Bible says this. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him, and he said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all that you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But at these words he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those uh, who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were even more astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said, With people it's impossible, but with God for all things are possible with God. 
this morning just talking about this story. In fact, we have uh, one that was so close and yet so far away uh, when you look at his life. In fact, uh, I was thinking about this one right here, and uh, individual man, and, and I was thinking this thought. I had this thought, and I wrote it down, uh, uh, and I, I was thinking, I would like to think, you would think that every meeting with Jesus Christ, could you imagine meeting with Jesus Christ in person? I mean, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God Almighty in the flesh, Jesus Christ, the one who spoke everything into existence. Could you imagine having an encounter, a private encounter with the King of kings and the Lord of lords? You would think that those that meet with Jesus Christ privately, intimately, would go away totally changed, and everything would be an incredible meeting, but that's not the case. In fact, oftentimes that is not the case. In this story, it is not the case. It's a tragic scene to leave unchanged. Think about this man. We're going to walk through uh, four different scenes, really, as this, as this story unfolds. And the first thing I want to bring to your attention is simply the reputation of the man, the reputation of the man. In fact, when you read the Gospels together, you find out a little bit more uh, because not every Gospel is, is all-inclusive. There's a little bit different parts to every story just about in the different Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, although this is not in all four Gospels. It's in three of the four. But we know this, that this man was a young man, and so when you're talking about the reputation of the man, first of all, we know this to be true, that he was a young man. That's true. It's told us in Matthew chapter 19 and in verse number 20. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept, and what am I still lacking? And I thought about that, and I was thinking, you know, there's no greater decision than to come to Jesus, especially while you're a young person. In fact, the Bible talks about it over in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, the Bible says it like this in chapter number 12, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and in verse number 1, the Bible says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. We don't know how old he was, but he was a young fella. In fact, 3 John in verse number 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear of my children walking with the Lord. In other words, man, coming to Jesus Christ, wow, one is still young. You know, one of the problems that we have is, is, is with procrastination, and we think, man, I'm going to wait till one day. I'm going to wait till the time is easier to get right with God, when the fact of the matter is there's no easier time to get right with God than today. Today is the day. In fact, if you're young, take advantage of the days of your youth. In fact, uh, I, I can remember when I was thinking about this particular story, I have a, there, there's a man that I knew that, that he actually lived to be 100 years old. And uh, I met him when he was 95 years old. And uh, he was 95, joined the church. <clears throat> man, he was just busy. I mean, busy in life, busy in the church, busy outside, just serving, 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 serving. And one day we had a conversation, and I asked him, I said, man, you just stay so busy. He said, well, what happened to me is I didn't get saved till I was 88, so I'm making up for lost time. <laughs> so, uh, so God help us in the days of our even take advantage of the life that's given to us. This fella was a young fella when he came to Jesus Christ. And I, was, uh, I had another thought, another question that came to my mind, and that's a question for moms and dads. Do you understand, uh, again, the necessity to introduce your children to Jesus Christ? I mean, is that a high priority? Where, where does that fall on your family list as a parent? Is it, is it this is the most important thing in the life of 
my child, or is there something else? God, help us recognize, even while they were young, to bring them to Jesus Christ. The man was a young man. Not only was he a young man, he was a rich man. He owned a lot of property. Verse 22 tells us he was a wealthy man. He had a lot. And so whenever you're talking about the Jews, the Jews would see material blessings as a, a, a material prosperity, as blessings from God, and that was it. I mean, you got to be living right, right? And, 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 and in fact, some of us oftentimes will make that statement you know you get the parking space right there at the door and you're like man must be living right <laughs> the fact of the matter is it's got nothing to do with how you live and I mean sometimes you just have those material blessings and sometimes you don't along the way and so be careful uh, that we don't equate just simply material blessings with the blessings of God there's nothing wrong with material blessings there's nothing wrong with having money the problem is when money has me just because I'm wealthy and just because I in fact own the whole world doesn't mean I'm right with God. <clears throat> you can have all the material blessings under the sun, but I'm telling you today, if you're brother or sister in Christ and you're not giving him anything, you're out of fellowship with your father. The Bible says in, in Matthew chapter number 6, 19 and following, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and following, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and there where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." The eye is a lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, and your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot serve God and wealth. He was a rich man, but not only was he a rich man, if you looked at this man's life, verse number 20, he was a religious man he was a moral man he was a person that if you would look at his life you would say man that is a good man general consensus this is one of those dudes you know what i'm talking about every now and then you meet somebody and it's like man they're just a good dude they're a good lady they're just a good person general consensus right uh but you know you can be a good church, good person and still go to hell I mean, it's not my goodness that saves me. Praise God for good moral people, right? Uh, but if you were to look at this man's life, he was a guy that, no doubt, man, he would, he would be one that was religious. Uh, in fact, he was, he, he'd be a guy that, in fact, he'd go to Florida State football game on a Saturday night and come to church at 9 o'clock next morning. <laughs> I mean, he was religious. He, he, not only was he religious, I, you know, he probably sings the song, give money, uh, serve on a greeting committee, teach a class, perhaps, but none of that will save anybody. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, hey, listen, it's not, about, it's not about what everybody else says of me. That's not it. What does God say of me? What does God say? Have you considered my son? Have you considered my daughter? You see, you can be a good person and still go to hell. This guy was a guy that was religious, <clears throat> very much involved in the church life, and yet he was lost. He was a guy in verse number 17, it's, he, he, he says this, he runs over to the teacher, he says, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, even though he had a lot going for him, he had a longing in his heart. I'm just not satisfied. There's just something missing 
in my life. And if you looked at his life from the outside, you say, man, he's got everything that he could ever want. And yet, privately, deep in his soul, he realized, I don't have everything. In fact, there's something missing. There's just something missing. There was a longing in this man's heart. There is no peace of God. Hey, when, 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 when we talk of the joy of the Lord, I don't experience the joy of the Lord. And so the question's got to be asked, do you have a relationship with God Almighty? He had a longing in his heart, and I believe that this morning there are some people that can relate to this guy right here. And you look on the outside and you got everything. Uh, you got a good life, you got a good marriage, you got children maybe, house, car, good job, but there's something missing. So the question I have for you this morning is, have you ever been born again? To be born from above, <clears throat> where he satisfies the deepest longing in the heart. This man, when you're talking about this man, there's a lot about him that he did right. He came to the right person, and that's a good thing. He came up to Jesus Christ. It's good to go to the right place, because there's a lot of people that have a longing. There's a lot of people that have a void, and they simply try to fill it in a lot of different places. You remember that old song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places? My wife used to listen to that, but anyways. <laughs> Looking for, you know, you know what happens to us a lot? No, I'm sorry. That's an <laughs> Anybody need lunch plans? I need a partner. <laughs> but you know what happens in life is, is, is there's a lot of folks that have that longing. And it's like, I got a longing, and I'm trying to fill it. And we try to fill it in so many different ways. I mean, if, if, I, only, if I only had a newer car, if I, if I only had a better job, if I only made more money, well, the question's got to be, how much is enough? In fact, Solomon says, Solomon, who you'll never have as much as Solomon, and yet Solomon said, that's all vanity. I mean, it just doesn't satisfy. Jesus satisfies. Oh, he came to the right place, and I'm grateful for that. And I pray today that you come to the right place. He came in the right way. His approach to Jesus Christ was even right. There was a lot of good things about his approach to Jesus Christ. Number one, the Bible says he came running to him. I believe there was a sense of urgency. I know that I have a need, and I'm coming running. There was a sense of urgency. And listen, we have lost urgency when it comes to spiritual things. It's getting late, and I'm not promised to tomorrow. Today's the day of salvation. There ought to be some sense of urgency within each and every one of us in our approach to the Lord Jesus Christ. He came running into his presence, number one, but then he knelt down before him in great humility. It was an acknowledgment in his heart of hearts, and God help us approach the Lord Jesus in such a manner. And great humility. You know, <clears throat> oftentimes what we do is we approach God very pridefully. And uh, I'm here to tell you what I want and what I need rather than just simply submitting to him. He came to the right place. He came for the right reason. You know, he said, what must I do to have eternal life? I want to talk about eternal things and not just a temporary fix. And a lot of times if we're not careful, hey, listen, there are people that come and I just want a temporary fix. I mean, my marriage is on the rocks. How many times I, I, if, if I, how many times have I dealt with people over the years that come and they come weeping? My marriage is falling apart. My marriage is falling apart. And all of a sudden, God does a work in the marriage and they leave church. 
Is it just a temporary fix that you're looking for? Or do you want something eternal? And I just want to encourage you, man. Eternal is what you really want. You can get a temporary fix, but what I need is eternal life. This man, if you looked at his life, the general consensus would be, this is a good man. It's a good man. And I've heard it said like this before. You ever heard this statement before? Hell's got high rises filled with good people. You ever heard that statement? It's more than just my personal goodness. It's about godliness. It's about salvation. Well, Jesus says, what must I do to be saved? Jesus then steps to the plate, verses number 18 through 20. Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. So we have, what we have is we have an investigation of the master. And all of a sudden, Jesus Christ begins asking the questions along the way. And, and, and the first question he asks, he's seeking clarification. He says, oh, why, why do you call me good? Because there's only one good, and it would be God Almighty. Are you saying that I am God? In fact, he's looking for clarification. And what he's clarifying is this. I want to clarify to you who I am and also who you are as well. I am God, therefore I am good. You are not God, therefore you're not good. I mean, he had a man that was coming to him saying, I'm a good person. When, when, when oftentimes when we speak of good, we're speaking of relativity and not, and not absolutes. But really, when you're talking about goodness, God Almighty is good. That is absolute. But there's a lot of people that don't believe in absolutes. They're absolutely certain there's not any absolutes. And so there's some people that don't believe in absolutes. But I'm just simply saying, when you're talking about goodness, there's only one that is good, and it's God Almighty. And Jesus is just saying... You need to know who it is that you're approaching. I'm not just another teacher along the way. I am God Almighty in the flesh. And so it's for clarification that he says, hey, there's only one that's good. Do you know who you are talking to? And so he goes on from there. Romans 3.23, the Bible says it like this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so what we need to do is recognize again, and this is where he struggled, and this is where most of us oftentimes will struggle along the way, that I'm just not good. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I have a flesh that is sorry, that I was born with. It's sinful. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and I desperately need saving. That's why I must be born again, because if all I've been born is once, and all I have is fallen flesh, I will be forever separated from God Almighty, but I've got to be born again, a new life, a new spiritual life. All have sinned. <clears throat> In fact, most people will say, well, I'm, I'm when, when, when we speak of goodness, we talk relatively, right? That's, that's I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm good, Compared to Ross. <laughs> we, we, we speak in relative terms. When the fact of the matter is, again, I'm not good. If I'm measuring myself by God's perfect and holy standard. In fact, in fact, left unto myself, I should be damned to hell. Hell. 
And most people don't want to go there. And that's where the struggle comes with salvation. I'm not damnable to hell. I'm not that bad. Mm. Yeah. The Bible says, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's why we got to have Jesus Christ. Jesus wanted to help this man understand his lostness. And so what he does is he goes to the law, all right? So because some people will look at this passage of Scripture and say, uh, well, is Jesus Christ introducing a new way for salvation? Absolutely not. Do you know that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, there's some people under the misperception that in the Old Testament, they just had to keep the law to get saved. Well, the fact of the matter is nobody could keep the law. Only Jesus Christ kept the law. The purpose for the law, Jesus goes to the law. Why? Because I want to help you see your need for a Savior. I want to show you your flawed self. And so he goes to the law. That's what the law does. The law shows us. Now this man, when he went to the law, he held it very superficially. In other words, thou shalt not commit murder. Well, I never killed nobody. Well, Jesus Christ in his teachings in Matthew chapter number 5, 6, and 7 on the Sermon on the Mount, he said this, hey, you harbor and hate towards your brother, you're guilty of murder. You ever lusted after somebody? You're an adulterer. You see, he's looking superficially, and Jesus says, oh, it's deeper than that. It's, it's a matter of the heart. And so he takes the law, and he says, here, here, let me just help you understand your sinfulness. In fact, Galatians talks about the law in this way. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 24, the Bible says, Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. In other words, it helps us to see ourselves as God sees us. It's like holding up a mirror, and the mirror just doesn't lie. I mean, I stood in front of the mirror this morning. I saw my flaws, Some, a lot of them. <laughs> Some of them I couldn't even fix. The purpose for the law is not just to leave you how he found you, but just simply to say, hey, listen, you need a Savior. And that's what Jesus did. He helped him see what God could see. In verse number 20, it's interesting because here's what happens. The first go-round, the man said, hey, <clears throat> good teacher, good teacher. And so Jesus began to teach him, right? Help him understand, you need a Savior. Well, what happened is he get to the point of conviction, and all of a sudden you get to the point of conviction, and his approach to Jesus Christ changed. You know what's left off? Didn't call him good anymore. <laughs> he didn't call him, hey, teacher. And you know what happens to us if we're not careful? Hey, listen, be careful. But you know what happens? We'll come to church. And whether it be a preacher or a teacher in a class or somebody makes a statement that's true. But you struck a nerve with me. And rather than repenting and taking it in and experiencing God's refreshing, we get ticked off. I don't like you much anymore. That's just the preacher. To which I would say, as I've always said, if it's biblical, if it's biblical, thank me. If it's not, fire me. 
And I would say that's true of any preacher anywhere. God, help us to preach His Word, but faithfully respond to His leadership in my life. Jesus Christ said, hey, we're not all good. And then there's this invitation in verse number 21. Jesus is looking at him. Jesus felt a love for him. In other words, do you know that nobody's ever gone, hey, nobody's ever gone to hell that God hated? God loves people. For God so loved the world. God loves people. He loves you. But the Bible goes on to say this. Jesus felt a love for him in verse 21. Said to him, one thing you lack. Go and sell all your possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. Again, he's not offering a new way of salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 were saved by grace through faith not by works. It's, it's a gift from God. It's, 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 you can't boast about your salvation. Look what I did. Look how good I am. No, the fact of the matter is, all you brought to the table was sin. And Jesus paid the price for you. And Jesus imparted life to you. And I'm grateful to God for that. <clears throat> He's not offering a new way. He's just simply pointing out sin. First commandment, no other gods before me. Here's the problem that this man suffered from, and it's a problem that many suffer from today. I want eternal life. I want God, and I want eternal life, but I want it on my terms. I mean, I want the blessings from God. And the Bible is clear. Romans chapter number 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with, what does it say? (laughs) Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. Let me look it up here real quick. Romans 10, 9 and 10. You ever have a blank moment? That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. That Jesus Christ is Lord of all. You know, there's a serious problem that's plaguing our world today, because although there are individuals who that's the desire of the heart. I mean, I, I want to go to heaven, but I want to live like hell. And it just doesn't work that way. I, I want to I live like I want to I want to do what's right in my own eyes. You know, if you look back at the Old Testament, and you see the children of Israel, we see ourselves reflected in them. And one of their struggles that they had was they want to do what was right in their own eyes. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. When the fact of the matter is, the question's got to be asked, is Jesus Christ Lord or not? Is he entering into my kingdom or am I coming into his kingdom? You know, that's a problem that we have as individuals, but I tell you, the church, the church has some serious problems today. I mean, the, the, the new movement in churches, it's called the emerging church movement is what it's called. It's been there for about a decade now. But when you're talking about the emerging church movement, you know, they, they tout themselves as being uh, uh, seeker sensitive. We're seeker sensitive. And, and that's wonderful, seeker sensitive. But the problem is what they mean by that is this. I don't want to do anything that's going to ever offend anybody to make you feel uncomfortable. Therefore, I'm willing to compromise even the message. Why do you think the message is being compromised? Because I bought into this mentality and philosophy that, listen, it's my job to make sure you come in and sit on a chair. When the fact of the matter is, no, I wasn't called to bring anybody in here to sit on a chair. I was called to fill a pulpit and preach God's word. And here's the deal. 
people have got to hear the truth of the Word of God so that the Holy Spirit brings about conviction in the heart so that we can have repentance. And that's a part of the salvation experience. And there's a lot of people that are gathering together and they don't hear God's truth being proclaimed. Why? Because I'm in a cool church. I'm in an emerging church and we're just all cool. And the fact of the matter is, man, we want to be holy. We want to be different. I want to be a child of the king, salt and light. He says, you're my child. You're not, you're not a child of the rest of the world. You're my child. And God help us <clears throat> along the way. So how do you evaluate a good church? How do you evaluate a good church? I think that's a good question to ask. <clears throat> I think a good church, I think a great church is a church where anybody and everybody Anybody, no matter who you are, what you look like, how far you are from God, can come in and experience unconditional love from people. Number one. Number two, not only will you experience unconditional love no matter what you look like, no matter how far you look like you have fallen from God, but number two, you will hear the truth of God with clarity. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. <clears throat> That's how I would measure a church. The decision this man came to, verse number 22, the Bible goes on. <clears throat> but at these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. He made a temporary decision. And you know what's so sad? He had a longing in his heart, and he didn't get satisfaction. In fact, in fact, we don't know the rest of the story, but if he never came to Jesus Christ, listen, his decision was a temporary decision. If he never came to Jesus Christ, he lived the rest of his life with no satisfaction. When his life on this earth ended, he's still living life today miserable because he wanted to make a temporary decision. In fact, I, I, I wonder, y'all ever wonder things when you read through Scripture? This, this is one of my wonder moments. Can I share with you my wonder moment? Don't walk away and say, oh, he said this. This is not what I said, all right? This is my wonder moment. Here's my wonder moment. So in the New Testament, you ever read the story of the rich man and Lazarus who both die, and the rich man ended up going to hell, separated from God? And there he was in the story, simply saying, hey, go back and tell my family. I gained the whole world, but I lost my soul. This morning, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Do you have a relationship with God? I'm talking about where he's Lord of my life, that I got born again. I recognized I am a sinner and I have fallen short of his glory. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son Jesus into this world not to condemn you, but to save you from your sin. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all may have eternal life. He loves you, desires an intimate relationship with you. You ever been saved? Number two, if you're a brother or sister in Christ, are you in fellowship with the Father? Are you in fellowship with the Father? 
See, a lot of times what we do is we come and we just play that game, you know, we bebop and everybody says, man, he's a good guy, he's a good girl. And deep down in our heart, I know that, man, I am harboring something. And as a result, I'm out of fellowship. Didn't mean I lost my salvation, but the joy is gone and the peace is gone. And I really want that. There's a longing. I want it. How do you get it? Repent. It's not just, re- hey, God, I have sinned against you. And I am wrong. Please forgive me. Cleanse me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Wouldn't it be wonderful if today were the day that we didn't do what the rich young ruler did, but that the story be rewritten, that we repented and experienced times of refreshing in his presence today. Would you join me for a time of prayer? Hey, this morning I'm going to pray. After we pray, we're going to sing a song. And when the song is finished, I'm just inviting you today. Maybe you hear this morning and say, hey, I don't have a relationship. I'm here today. And I know I have a need. I'm inviting you to come today. We're going to sing a song, and after the song has been sung, you come this morning. We're going to wait for you right down here. You come this morning. Brothers and sisters, would you invite the Holy Spirit to search your heart? Oh, God, what's in me? You tell me what you see. I want a pure heart, God. I want to be clean. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy in these days of grace. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would search each and every one of us, God. We want to be a people that bring honor and glory to your name, God. You are the King of kings and you're the Lord of lords. Thank you for these moments today. Thank you for this time today. God, have your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.